My wife got me a flannel. She said, I live in Minnesota now, so I have to start wearing more flannel. It's like, a, like your state fabric or something. Right? As part of my favorite things series, there's uh, something I have to admit to you, Calvary. Uh, I use a performance-enhancing drug. One of my favorite things in this world is coffee. I enjoy coffee so much. And the world enjoys me more because of coffee, I think. My wife and I both love it. We, we approach it differently, though. We, we have a different path to coffee. I, I'm sort of a, hey, coffee sounds good kind of guy, and she's more of a, how dare you speak to me before coffee kind of lady. You know what I mean? Different approaches. About a decade ago, my wife and I switched to half-calf uh, because we didn't want our hearts to explode. So I think we found the right balance there. Uh, I've had the opportunity now to check out a few coffee shops here in town. I've been to uh, St. James. I was at uh, Fiddlehead at one point. Those were both very good. This is not a paid endorsement or anything. But uh, that, was, that was great. I understand there's a number of places to get coffee here in town, so I'm pretty excited. And if I'm not really a coffee snob exactly, but I do enjoy good, good coffee. So if you ever want to get a cup, I'm all for it. The other thing that I'll share this morning that kind of goes with coffee is that I love world travel. I love traveling uh, overseas. I like exploring new places. I like engaging new cultures. I like learning from new people. For five and a half years, I had the privilege of being a missions pastor at a large church in, in Minnesota, or in Minnesota, in uh, Pennsylvania. That's where it was. And uh, we, uh, I got, for five and a half years, I got to travel all over the world, uh, going to various countries, working, working with uh, partners, working with different uh, organizations, church planting organizations, local churches, to help make disciples through uh, these ministries. It was a really, really good uh, time of ministry. I got to spend significant time in Haiti uh, just after the earthquake, actually the big one uh, back in the, uh, about 10 years ago now. And uh, spent a lot of time down there. Spent a lot of time in northern Thailand as well. But no place on earth means more to me than the birthplace of my kiddos, uh, Ethiopia, uh, which also is the birthplace of coffee. I don't know if you know that. See how it all comes together? Yeah, I love, I love Ethiopia. Coffee was first cultivated in the Kaffa region. See where we're getting the name here? It was first developed in the Kaffa region of Ethiopia. Uh, Ethiopian Coptic monks would chew on the beans so they could stay awake through long prayer meetings, which is, by the way, what I'm doing right before you get here. Uh, I can't uh, wait, actually, to hang out with the Aroma and the Anwa. Oh, that'll be fun, because you know they probably make the best coffee. I'm really excited about that. That'll be fun. When I think of coffee and when I think of world travel, I think of Ethiopia, and when I think of Ethiopia, I think of how my family was built through adoption. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the doctrine of adoption. I love to think about the fact that the Lord has built his family through adoption. That, that, that his, his, uh, his, his entire family, his entire work in earth is to gather an adopted family. So... Uh, Get ready for a fairly emotional sermon um, from me this morning. We were once living on our own. Think about this. 
outside of God's relationship, with no legal bonds tying us to him. And by his act of great compassion and great generosity, he paid the price to welcome us home. Everyone here this morning who loves Jesus is adopted. Every single one of you here this morning, all of us who love Jesus are adopted. We were once far from the Lord, and we've been brought into his family. Today we're going to ponder and explore this wonderful new family relationship that we have with God. And for those of you who don't yet trust in Jesus and don't yet have this great relationship, today is going to be an invitation to you to come into this wonderful family. So if you would, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at just four verses today out of the middle of this chapter. Romans 8 is often considered the jewel in the crown that is Romans 8, uh, that is the book of Romans. So Romans 8 just kind of sits at the center, and it's full of amazing things. We're not going to look at all of it. We're going to just look at a small part of it today. And in this small passage, we're going to see that the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is what gives us confidence that we are no longer outside of God's family, but are adopted into it. Let's begin in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, this whole section leading up to verse 14 is Paul's description of the role of the Holy Spirit that, that he plays in the salvation and identity of followers of Jesus. He's talking about the change from a person who was lost, who was living in the world, who was a slave to sin, to a person who now has the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit within him. You can see that in verse 9. Let's glance up a little bit from where we are to verse 9. You'll see it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Here in verse 14, Paul says the same thing, but he says it positively. Everyone led by the Spirit is a son of God. Son here is being used collectively for both men and women who follow Jesus. So you can kind of read sons and daughters here, sons and daughters of God. Paul is identifying two groups of people, those who have the Spirit of God indwelling them and those who do not those who do not have the Spirit. To really understand the doctrine of adoption, we have to first uh, accept what is considered to be a fairly unpopular truth today. Not everyone is automatically a child of God. There's this uh, very popular notion in the world today that it's, that's pretty widely accepted and celebrated by many people in the church that all human beings are children of God simply because they are created by God. And it's, and it's easy to see where that comes from, actually. If you kind of follow the logic there, it's, it's not hard to see. All humans uh, are created by God in the image of God. 
with all of the value that is instilled in us by God because of his design for humanity. All of that is true. And so when you, when you grab hold of all of that about who a human being is, it's easy to see that somebody could jump from that to say, therefore, every human being is a child of God. And a lot of ministries have done this. A lot of ministries have grabbed hold of this and conflated these two things together. They've conflated being made in God's image with being a member of God's family. Uh, I don't mean to pick on the Tim Tebow Foundation. Uh, From what I can tell, they do a lot of really good work helping with uh, trafficking and sex slavery and all that sort of thing, human slavery all around the world. And I am all for that. They should keep doing that. That is wonderful stuff. But if you go to their website, you will see uh, a good example of this conflation. They have a, uh, a theme song for their ministry called All God's Children. And here's the hook from that song. We're all God's children, made in his image, perfectly loved, worthy of freedom. Okay, that's the hook in the song. We are all made in his image. God's love is perfect, and everybody should be free of slavery and free of trafficking. That's all good stuff. I'm all for all of that. But being identified as a child of God is not a physical category in Scripture. It's a spiritual category that does not apply to everyone. Every man and woman in this world was made in the image and likeness of our Creator God. But every single one of us was also born into spiritual slavery, separated from God. That, that, that separation is a loss of relationship. It's not just a strained relationship that we have with God to begin with. It's a broken relationship. Paul likens a lost person in this world to a slave that's serving in a house. Yeah, you're in the house. You're there. You're present. But you have no relationship with the owner. You have no family tie and Therefore, you don't have any inheritance or any right to an inheritance. But when a person puts his trust and confidence in Jesus, what happens is that barrier of sin is removed and the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, then indwells you. He fills you up. He he takes over your heart and your mind. He brings your spirit to life. That's what we call regeneration. Your soul comes alive when you put your trust in Jesus. And now you are a new living creation that is being led by the Holy Spirit. Paul says here in verse 14 that when that happens, you become a child of God. Again, all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. But the key word there, is led. That's the key word there. You say, Kyle, how do I know that I am a child of God? Who leads you? Who leads you? That's the question. Are you led by the pressure of peers? Are you led by worldly pursuits? Are you led by lustful impulses? Are you led by your own personal preferences? Or are you led by the Spirit of Christ after putting your trust in Christ? Are you led by the Holy Spirit bringing conviction and direction into your life through the Word of God? 
And then are you actively pursuing that direction with your life? Is that your passion, your motivation? Is that what's driving you in life? You'll know if you are because there's going to be a battle going on. If that's true of you, there's going to be this battle that's going on inside of you where you are actively putting to death the sinful impulses inside of you, and you're going to see an increase in the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're going to find yourself becoming more patient, more loving, more generous, more self-controlled in your choices. You're going to become more like Jesus, and you're going to want that. You're going to want to become more like Jesus. And if that's happening, if your passion for Jesus is increasing and your compassion for other people is escalating, then you know that you're led by the Spirit, and that's how you know. That's how you know. That's the evidence that you've been adopted out of the world and into the family of God. Let's look at how this adoption makes a difference. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This verse answers the question, what is it like to be adopted out of the world and into the family of God? There's a a pretty stark difference. There's a pretty stark difference between not having a relationship with God and being brought into his family. And the key to understanding the difference is learning what the Holy Spirit is like. And so to show us this, Paul compares two kinds of spirit. He he calls one a spirit of slavery, which we didn't receive, and the other a spirit of adoption, which we did receive. And I know that's a little confusing. You're like, I don't understand exactly what's happening here, Kyle. What's going on? Uh, It's a little bit confusing. I want you to think of that first one, that spirit, that spirit of slavery. I want you to think of that first one as a as sort of hypothetical Holy Spirit. And that second one is the Holy Spirit that actually is. And the first one we didn't get. It's hypothetical, doesn't exist. But we didn't get that one. We got the, the, the second one. When you trust in Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, and you enter into God's family, you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. See, when Jesus came and rescued his people out of this world by taking the punishment for our sins, it, was to bring, it wasn't to bring people into a relationship where, where they would now be afraid of God. That's not what he came for. A lot of times, the worldly way of picturing Christianity is as a religion where you're trapped or confined to the will of a demanding and judgmental God. And so the logic goes, well, if you really want to be free, what you need to do is break free of this God, and then you're going to be free to live your life with limitless joy and to be free of fear. Now, that is a false understanding, but... To the credit of those who think this way, a lot of Christians emphasize rules and restrictions in such a joyless and fearful way that it can give the impression that that's what God is like. That's not what he's like. The reality is the fear of judgment is really on those who don't have the Holy Spirit, who are not saved 
by the Spirit of Christ. Do you see where it says fall back there? Uh, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, that fall backness there. It, it's, it's, it's the former life where the fear is. It's, it, it's in your life before, outside the family of God, where you were in slavery and fear. Real slavery is to carry the chains of sin, to bear the weight of sin, to be pounded down in this life because of sinful choices. Real fear is having no defense before God for this sin, to stand in judgment because of it. The Holy Spirit isn't like that at all. That's not what following Jesus is like at all. That's not it at all. That hypothetical Holy Spirit does not exist. The reality is that when you trust in Jesus, you receive a spirit of adoption. You are picked up out of a life of fear and concern, and you are brought into a family where God, who is now your father, alleviates your fear. The Holy Spirit works in you to assure you that, that God is good, that he, that he loves you. He establishes and confirms a relationship where, where, where you can relate to God, no longer just as, as, a, as a judge who condemns you because of your sin, but, but a loving Father who welcomes you into his presence. And that's not, by the way, because he no longer cares about sin or because he doesn't judge your sin anymore. No, no, your sin is judged, but it's judged in Christ. This fear is gone because Jesus took the judgment. The judgment is settled on our sin. He cares about you so much that he carried out his justice against your sin by condemning Jesus on your behalf. God himself took the punishment so that you can be rescued from fear and restored to a loving relationship in his family. That is the doctrine of adoption. Those of you who have adopted children, if you're a family of adoption, or if you have children who have adopted, you've probably seen this a little bit firsthand. You have unique insight into this, especially if you adopted children who are old enough to have feared at any point. Uh, when Sammy, my son, was, uh, was uh, adopted into our family, it was 2009. He was four months old when he came to our family. He was just a happy little baby. He didn't know any difference. There was, there was no difference for him uh, between his old life and his new family. But when, when Allie came home in 2013, she was almost two years old, and let me tell you, she really knew the difference between her old life and this new and strange one she was in. That baby girl screamed in her car seat for an hour and a half as we drove home from the airport. An hour and a half of screaming, just terrified. At one point, she got so exhausted, she stopped screaming a little bit, and I made the mistake of turning around to see how she was. She caught a glimpse of my face, started screaming again. <laughs> For the first four months of her life, she clung to Rachel, and she avoided me like the monster who had just emerged from her closet. She did not like me. I couldn't do anything right in her eyes. I would come home, and I would put my arms on. I'd say, come here, baby girl, and she would immediately, ah, and run away. She wanted anything to do with me. I try to uh, hold her, and, and every once in a while, because I'm faster, you know, I'm bigger than a, than a, than a two-year-old, so I, I, I would catch her, 
And I'd pick her up, and she'd do the thing where she'd just lean away as far as she possibly could from me, just like get out of my presence. Sometimes I would get down on the floor with her and try to play a game, and I would inch closer to her as we played the game, and she'd figure out what we were doing, and then she'd bolt at that point. She wanted nothing to do with me. But one day, Rachel had a little talk with her before I got home from work. And she said, now, Allie, that's your daddy, and he loves you. And when he gets home from work, you should give him a hug. And you know she did? She just came, and she gave me a hug. It was like flipping a switch. Before that day, she wanted nothing to do with me. But that day, she let me pick her up. And she started to allow me to love her. She started to allow the love I had for her to penetrate into her own heart. She was my daughter, and I loved her before that moment. Very important to understand this. The love was there, but she started to accept it. It was at that moment that she began to realize the reality of our relationship, and I became Abba Father to her. I became Dad in her heart. Paul is saying to you and to me, this God who came to save us, he's brought us into his family. He didn't just save you and leave you. He brought you into his family. The fear of judgment and of condemnation are now gone. You can now go to him, and you can be assured that when you go to him, he loves you like dad. It's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that confirms this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, it is hard to describe what Paul is saying here. For those in God's family who have left the slavery of sin and have entered into a relationship with the Father, there is confidence in your status as a son or as a daughter of the Lord. See, the Christian life is not one of worry and doubt and fear. You might not know it from some Christians you know who live that way, but it is not that way. It's not call, you're not called to that. It's a life of steady confidence that the God who saved you and loves you will never, ever break his bond with you. And that confidence stems from the work of the Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So there is a, a constant testimony of reassurance coming from the Holy Spirit who calms our nerves and fears by consistently bringing our minds back to our status in God's family. That's what he's doing. He's consistently testifying to the confidence, to the assurance that we have that we are children of God. And here I can say that it is those of you who are adopted who have unique insight into this wonderful truth of the gospel. We will never grasp, those of us who were not adopted, into our families here on earth, will never fully grasp as well as you do this incredible gospel truth. You, quite uniquely, know the doubts and fears that can arise in your heart as you ponder your own identity and your place in this world and your place in your family. And you know the relief and hopefully the joy of remembering the relationship that's been established by the love of your parents 
and by the laws of the state that legally bonds you into your family for life. You will have a reminder of that that shows you the gospel. Now, I know that is not the way you always feel. If you're an adopted person, if you were adopted into your family, maybe you're an adult now, maybe, you, maybe you're a child now, and you were adopted. I know you don't always feel that way. And I know that what I'm describing is perfect adoption. And no family of adoption that I, that I know of, certainly not my own, no family I've ever met that was formed through adoption would ever describe itself as perfect but if you will take our flawed, imperfect adoption and use it as a shadow of the perfect love of God, you'll get a sense of what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are in a relationship with our Heavenly Father that will never break. It will never grow old. It will never time out. It will never falter. And it will never end. You'll, you'll see that if you jump to the end of the chapter, right? The famous ending of Romans chapter 8, that place where we are assured that nothing in all creation could ever separate us from the love of God. You don't want to know why that's there? It's because of the adopted relationship that we have. He's saying, then this will never break. It will never go away. It is permanent. We also see it in verses 18 to 23 below. Uh, if you look down there, you can see you'll see that we have an increasing longing in this broken world to come to, for, for it to come to an end and to begin it, the renewed heavens and earth because when that happens, then we're going to be revealed as the sons and daughters of God that we are. The full adoption process will come to completion and we'll feel all of the benefits of this wonderful new family. That's part of what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit does a lot in our lives. But part of what he's doing is consistently reminding us and confirming the fact that we are in this relationship now because of God's adoption of us. He's consistently reminding us of this status that we now have with the Lord. He's encouraging us to remain confident that even as the world around us crumbles, the relationship that we have with the Lord is never going to crumble. The way this passage on adoption ends is with the benefits Look with me at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you are a child of God through faith in Christ, if you are confirmed through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, then you are a rightful heir of God's family. If Abba Father is the emotional cry of love that comes with adoption, then being an heir is the legal language of adoption. It's the status change that allows us to say that because of this adoption, I know that I will inherit every good thing that God has for me. Everything in God's household, everything that he has stored up for his kids is now what I get. Jesus called God his father. What does that mean for me? It means I can now call God my father. Jesus was raised to life by his father. What does that mean for me? It means that I know that I will now be raised to life by my heavenly father. 
Jesus will reign over a new heavens and a new earth throughout all of eternity once this world has come to an end. And I know I now have a place within that new earth. Do you remember what Jesus said right to his disciples right before he went to the cross? He said a lot of things. But do you remember the one thing he said in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3? He said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. It's household language. This is a huge house that God has built for all of his children to come and have a place, to come and have a home with him forever. We don't think of Jesus like our big brother very much. We don't have songs about Jesus, our big brother. But in one sense, that's exactly who he is. We are fellow heirs with him because he went before us and he prepared the way. Jesus inherited every good thing from his father for eternity. And if you are in Christ, you inherit that too. When you stand in court, at the end of the adoption journey, you've already done all the work. Adoptive families will tell you that, that, that near the end, or usually right at the end of an adoptive process, there's this actually very, very short time in court where you stand before a judge, and, and all of the work has already been done to get to that place. Adoptive parents will tell you about the labor and the expense, and the paperwork, the literal drawing of blood over and over again, it seems, because they have so many tests they have to run. They'll tell you about the vaccines, the, the sleepless nights, the seemingly endless waiting, and the heartbreak that comes with it. But at the end of all that work, after you're done with all of those things, after years and years of waiting and labor, you stand in court and there's a judge. And that judge asks you a question that goes something along these lines. He will say, do you understand that following this proclamation from this day forward, this child will be legally yours, receiving all the rights and privileges of a natural born child and that this is a permanent relationship? And when you agree and the judge declares this to be so, there's a change in legal status. There's a new birth certificate. Oftentimes, there's a, a change in name. And in cases of international adoption, there's a change in citizenship, permanently moving that child under the same status of citizenship that is your privilege. Church, I love the doctrine of adoption. I love the doctrine of adoption. It is the truth that because of Christ, we can now have a relationship with God the Father. We are now citizens of the kingdom of God. We are now partakers of the inheritance of eternity with Jesus. God's entire earthly church is an adopted family. Every one of us, Every single one of us, there is only one natural born son in the family of God, and that's Jesus. But this Jesus, 
this Savior came and did all of the paperwork. He patiently endured all the suffering to the point of death on the cross to bring brothers and sisters into the family of God. And I love the heart of adoption that is now in each of us who have, been, who have experienced this admission into God's family. I love hearing the stories of, of families who have gone through the process to bring children into their homes as full legal heirs. Yeah, these, this is our family. We look eclectic. We look different. We are one family forever. I love foster parents. Man, you ever talk to foster parents? Foster parents, are, they're, they're heroes, they're, they're, they're bringing children into their home in difficult situations. Sometimes that becomes adoption. Sometimes they just walk with that child through a really tough part of their lives so there can be a reconciliation and restoration to, to that child's family. I, I love people who have a heart for children and, and just work with them to show them Christ through ministries as mentors and teachers. I love people who open their hearts and build relationships with kids who need an extended family to help uh, share the gospel, share gospel love with these kids. All of that, all of that is rooted in us because of the adopted love of God. And all of it, is, it reflects the heart of our creator. Let me invite you this morning. If you don't know the Lord like this, you can. If this doesn't describe the kind of passion in your heart for God, if your relationship looks more like judgment and not enough like father-son, father-daughter freedom and love, it's probably because your current relationship isn't an adoptive one. And what you need is to be adopted into his family. I invite you to put your trust in Jesus as your big brother who came to save you. Jesus made a way for you to be right with the Father. And if you don't have that, please come talk to me, either after the service or this week. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the adoptive love that you showed when you came and did all the work necessary to bring us into your family. Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come to you as our heavenly Father, to worship you, to thank you, to live in love live in, the, in light of the grace and joy that you've brought to our relationship. And Father, for those this morning who don't yet know that relationship, I pray that you would open their hearts and minds, that they would know you, they would come to you, and that you would bring them into that room you've prepared for them. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Go out this week in the confidence that God who loves you came and rescued you and adopted you in his family. Have a wonderful week.